Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. About a week ago, in a podcast studio far, far away. Star Wars fans have been split into two factions. The traditionalists, who stand behind George Lucas, and the new generation, who stand behind Disney and Ryan Johnson. With Episode 8, The Last Jedi, the mystique of the Jedi has ended. No longer is it a religious sect who protects the galaxy. Instead, it seems that anyone can be a Jedi with only minimal training and... Wait, wait a minute. This is not the first time this has happened in Star Wars lore. In fact, a lot of the same narrative and mythology arcs that appear in The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi echo the role-playing game series Knights of the Old Republic. In this two-part series of minigames, we will take a look at the Knights of the Old Republic series and see how they both stick close to traditional Star Wars narratives and how they forge their own paths and expand upon the lore of Star Wars. Bring her to me. The first game in the Knights of the Old Republic series plays it safe with a very traditional Star Wars storyline. You are just a nobody who goes on a quest to save the galaxy with the help of a motley crew, and along the way, the player character also goes on a quest of self-discovery, and in the end, you blow up a super weapon and kill the bad guy. It's pretty much the same story beats that are in the original and modern film trilogies. There's a much maligned quote from George Lucas in one of the behind-the-scenes documentaries on The Phantom Menace, where he says that the universe of Star Wars is, quote, like poetry, it rhymes, unquote. While this has been cited as creative laziness on the part of Lucas, I actually think it's a pretty clever mantra. In the Star Wars universe, the light side is always corruptible. The dark is redeemable. Civilizations rise and civilizations are destroyed. Whether intended or not, this poetic repeating of the past is a central theme in the first Knights of the Old Republic. At first, you believe that your quest is to just retrace the steps of the villain, Darth Malak, and his former master, Darth Revan, in finding pieces of a star map in order to save the galaxy from a superweapon called the Star Forge, all the while training to become a Jedi Knight. Immediately in this quest, this theme of poetic repetition and quote-unquote classic Star Wars comes into play. You are literally repeating the paths and actions of another. Revan and Malak followed this path and found evil. You are encouraged to follow this path for the greater good. But something is afoot. You do not recognize the path that you are following, but the path seems to recognize you. The player character starts to have visions of Malak's rise to power and Revan's defeat at the hands of Bastila, one of your main party companions. Technology that does not work for others seems to welcome you with open arms. As an example, an AI on the wiki home planet of Kashik seems to remember your face, but not your name. About two-thirds of the way through the game, it is revealed that you are not just some nobody who's on a noble quest. You are Darth Revan, brainwashed by the Jedi Council, and you were only being used by them as a weapon against Malak. Bastila even refers to this as being a tool of the Jedi Council. It is at this point that Revan has to make the same decisions made by Anakin Skywalker, Luke, Kylo Ren, and Rey. Do you follow the light and accept your new given role as a protector? Or do you rebel against the Jedi and let darkness and power consume you? 
Throughout the entire game, choices that point either towards the dark or light sides of the force are presented to you with mostly equal weight. It becomes very easy to pick options that bring about the quickest and easiest results, but they're the ones that often lead towards the dark side. As an example, right before you complete your Jedi training, the Jedi Council tasks you with going out into the wild to investigate a source of dark energy. Your investigation leads you to a dark Jedi named Juhani and you have your first combat encounter with another Jedi in the game. At the end of the fight, you are given the choice to either kill Juhani or try to lead her back to the light side. Both will complete the story mission just fine, but taking the easy option of killing Juhani will result her in not being able to join you in your fight against Malak. The empty space in the party selection screen feels like a punch to the gut every time you look at it. It's a permanent reminder of your failure. This moment is an echo of Luke's decision with Darth Vader at the end of Return of the Jedi, and Anakin's decision with Count Dooku in Revenge of the Sith. Luke's decision was one of forgiveness and redemption. His father's just caused death and pain. It's like poetry. It rhymes. In addition to the traditional narrative structure and story beats of Knights of the Old Republic, the game does take its time to expand upon the lore of Star Wars, and tries to give players a greater understanding of the dark side of the Force. One of the planets you have to explore is the Sith home planet of Korriban, and while there you go undercover as a potential student of the Sith while looking for one of the star maps, buried deep in ancient Sith ruins. For that section of the game, you really do feel like a student of the Sith. You learn the Sith code, their traditions, and history. It's a repeat of your previous Jedi training on Dantooine. While I would not say that the training you receive on Corbin makes it tempting to join the dark side, if you haven't already, it makes us empathize with those who do. Most of the other students you meet there were just down on the luck, depressed or looking for more control in their lives. Despite this drive for understanding while on Corbin, Knights of the Republic deals mostly in absolutes. Only a Sith deals in absolutes. You are either a hero, a villain, or downtrodden and need a hero to fix your problems. For the most part, your party members will always be light side or dark. You'll more than likely want to min-max light side or dark side in order to use those advantages in gameplay. Though a refreshing take on this dichotomy comes in the form of your party member, Jolie Bindo. Jolie and his wife, Nyama, were Jedis who, during a war, fell on different sides of the Force. Jolie on the light, and his wife fell to the dark. During their duel, Jolie was unwilling to kill his wife. Thus, she escaped and killed countless other Jedi. Heartbroken and disenfranchised with the Jedi Order, Jolie exiled himself on Kashyyyk. I had trained Nayama against their wishes. I had failed to kill her when I had the chance, and she went on to kill others. Not to mention that I had remained a Padawan throughout the war. A formality, perhaps, but with a trial, it had to be decided if I was worthy to become a Jedi at all. It was a travesty, of course. I told you that even the Jedi were capable of great injustices, didn't I? This character arc makes us question the motives and teachings of the Jedi for the first time in Star Wars lore. Is their way truly the correct way? Can Jedis truly be neutral in a time of conflict? Is killing sometimes justified? Unfortunately, fans needed to wait one more year for those themes and questions to be explored in detail. In Knights of the Old Republic 2, The Sith Lords. Join me in two weeks for part two of this analysis of Knights of the Old Republic, where we talk about subverting fan expectations, why Jedis are kind of dicks, and the Vietnam War. Yes, really. Thanks for listening. This Lore Party minigame is executive produced by Abu Zafar and produced by me, Michael Ferris. 
Check out our website at loreparty.com and follow us on Twitter at lore underscore party. Subscribe to Lore Party on your favorite podcasting app and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps us grow the show. Thanks a lot for listening.